you have your copy of God's Word this morning, we're going to be in the book of Romans. God sings over us. He gives us songs of deliverance and gives us new songs in the night. And the nature of God is to uh, sing songs of comfort and peace. And, uh, and He has words of peace for us as well. The children are heading off to Children's Church with Pastor Bradley to open God's Word and hear Him speak. And I want to encourage you to do the same. As we're continuing our study through the uh, attributes of God, who God is and what He is like. And uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 11, uh, continuing from where we were last week. But I love children. I love, uh, I guess that's why I have seven of them. But uh, uh, I love that they ask questions, don't you? There's such a sweetness and a sincerity. They're just so innocent with their little questions. And every parent has had the joy uh, of on occasion having to challenge, be challenged by those inquisitive little ones uh, that ask, frankly, some of the most difficult questions you can ever come up with. And they recently interviewed 2,500 parents and they said, tell us, what's the most difficult questions your children have asked you that have baffled you? And uh, so here's a few of them. They said, one of the questions was, how is electricity made? What is infinity? Why do you blink? Why is the sea salty? And then my favorite, why are those cracks in your face? And, uh, <laughs> and every grandmother just pinches their cheeks and said, oh, you're so sweet, right? What's interesting on that list is no child asks the question, what is God like? But really, that's a very important question to know the answer to. Not just who God is, but what is he like? Philosophers have wrestled with that question, and they rarely have found an, uh, an answer that satisfies them. Job, if you go read over in Job chapter 11, he once asked that question, Can you discover the, limp, the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? Can you really know Him? You see... We've already established that God can be known in our study this year, going through the attributes of God. We took some time talking about how can we know God? How do we study Him? Is it even possible to know Him? And we know that He can be known. But the most basic question about God is a basic question of theology, and that is, what is God like? He's, he, listen, he's revealed himself in a particular way through his works. The things that God does reveal the nature of who he is. And we have a testimony of those works right here in the Bible. An accurate testimony that tells us the things that he has done. And he actually gives us the divine interpretation of those events. So what we have here is a true record of those events. Not only in that they are true, historical, they actually occurred. But also they are something that you and I can, can believe in because he's a God of truth. And he's going to be faithful to the things that he says he's going to do. But knowing him, we have to realize that there are limits to our knowledge of him and what we will discover. We've already established that God, in his aseity, that's a big word, which basically means God is God and we're not. He, he is the source of all being. We are becoming. We're all human, not human beings. We are becoming something. We don't have being in and of ourselves. It comes from God. Anything that's a created being has its being from God. 
And what we realized is that God being wholly other, unlike us, the source of all being, he's self-sufficient, he's self-existent, he doesn't really need anything. And so last week we were in Romans chapter 11 and we were wrestling with God being infinite. There's no boundaries to him. And the corollary to that is if there's no boundaries to him, then, then he's incomprehensible. What in the world does that big word mean? Well, when you take that word and you break it down, it, it simply means that he is not able to be fully known. Now, God can be known. But incomprehensible means he's not able to be fully known. None of us are able to fully comprehend who he is or what he is like. It's not saying, the definition does not say he cannot be known, but not fully known. When you break that word incomprehensible down, it comes from the Latin term uh, prehendere, which means to grasp, to take a hold of, to attain. When, when you add that prefix con to it, that has the idea of totality, something completely contained. And so what we're talking about is complete apprehension, complete understanding. And you and I, with our little finite minds, listen, as creatures made in his image, we cannot fully get our mind around him. In other words, listen, if you're here and you think you've got God figured out, that's not God you're worshiping. Because God is incomprehensible. He is beyond us fully understanding Him. And you say, well, what, what, what can we know about Him then? Well, what we can know about Him, listen, is what's found in His Word. We open His Word to hear Him speak, to reveal Himself. And if He doesn't reveal Himself, we will not know anything true about Him. Other than, listen, the creation speaks, but it's an inaudible word. It's an image. It's a picture for us. But the organ of faith is the ears, not the eyes. And God speaks to us and reveals who he is and what he's like. And he doesn't tell us everything about himself, but he tells us enough. He tells us enough to give you and I and a reason to put our faith and our trust in him, to rest in who he is and who he says he, what he is able to do. And he is demented demonstrated for us uh, all throughout the pages of scripture eyewitness testimony of what kind of God he is and what kind of God he is like and how he relates to others who have put their faith and even those who haven't put in their faith in him how he relates to them is a testimony to us and it reveals some knowledge about him that we really do need to know and we need to apply in our life one has said that we have a working knowledge of God and that working knowledge, listen, is sufficient for life. Or as we learned, uh, the, I believe uh, was the first week that we started, that God, listen, has given us grace and peace and that he has given us all things that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. And so we can know him and we can know something about him and what we know about him is sufficient for the things we face in life and how to live a godly life. But we won't know everything. And Paul highlights that in this closing section. Based teaching on the redemption that God has brought to mankind. To both Jew and Gentile. And to individuals. And that salvation, my prayer, is that it's reached you. And if it hasn't, just as Wyatt and Donna went through the waters of baptism today. And testified that that salvation reached them. It can reach you. 
if you and I will acknowledge some basic truths about who God is and what He's like, though we can't know everything about Him, who He is and what He's like. In fact, it's recognizing that He's God and we're not. It, it, it brings us to humility to realize, I can't figure Him all out. I can't figure everything out about Him. I can't figure out everything that He does. And I have a choice to make in those moments. Either I can, in humility, acknowledge my limitations and realize I need Him. That He's got the essential knowledge that I need for life and godliness. And I can put my trust in Him. Or I can go ahead and keep trying to figure things out myself. And stumble and fall. And, and, and find that all I make in life is, well, a big mess. But He can make things whole. When I surrender to Him. And so we're in Romans chapter 11. I want you to stand with me as we hear God speak, as we honor God's word. And what's amazing is as we read this, Paul is coming to the end again of his discussion of the redemption of mankind that God has brought. And, and it's amazing just stopping and thinking right now as we read this, the infinite God, listen, who's beyond everything you and I can ever comprehend, he's going to speak and accommodate himself to us right now. In his word, his spirit will help us if we've got a heart ready to hear what he might say to us today. That he might have something that really might change your life if we'll really listen. If we'll incline our ear. If we'll really search for him. We'll find him. We'll discover the fear of the Lord and, and find the knowledge of God. And that's my prayer even as we read this reverently. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How Unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Father, May we adopt a posture of worship and praise as Paul did when we stop and consider your infinite vastness, Lord, that there is none like you. God, may we recognize our, the right position before you, Lord, that we do not have you figured out. God, we do not know everything about you. But God, what we know reveals a God that is holy, a God of love, a God of grace and mercy, a God who wants us to trust Him because He's true and faithful. God, teach us who You are so that, Lord, what we do know about You will change our lives. And, Lord, we'll have something to share with the world around us, Lord, who are looking for the answers, and they can only be found with You. Lord, we ask these things in the precious, powerful name of Jesus, our Savior and coming King, and for His sake. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. There is a witness to God's incomprehensibility. The recognition of it is right here in verse 33 as we saw last week. God is an infinite God. He has no boundaries as we discovered last week. Listen, he cannot be bounded in any way. And that's evident as Paul draws this uh, concluding section of, of Romans chapter 11. As he concludes chapters 9 through 11, just reflecting on God's redemption of both Jew and Gentile and the plan that he had that he would graft the Gentiles into his plan of redemption. The plan of redemption, listen, to save wretched sinners like you and me from chapters 1 all the way through chapter 8, that you and I can be radically saved. And Paul talks about that and he gets to this point and he says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. 
It's as though we said last week, you go to the ocean and there's this infinite vast ocean before you and all you have is a thimble. And you take with that knowledge that you think you have and you and I dip it into that ocean and we pull that little thimble up and we have not even begun to get our arms and our minds uh, around who God is and what he's like. He's so far beyond us. But we live like he's in a little box and we got him figured out. But he's so much more. And what Paul is really saying here, the infinity of God is like standing on that shore and seeing that vast ocean. The incomprehensibility of God is when you and I choose to put our scuba gear on and go out in a boat and and, and jump off the side and, and begin to swim around in that ocean and think we can go down to the depths of it. And the amazing thing that you'll know if any of you have gone scuba diving is you can only go so far in scuba gear. Our bodies can't, can't withstand the pressure. And that's the same way with our God. He's so infinitely deep. He's so far beyond us we cannot comprehend him. But oh, he still wants us to come swimming. He still wants us to dive in. He still wants us to know some things about him that are essential for life and godliness. And the amazing thing is, you and I have to be like those divers and realize we got limitations. We just can't know everything about him. The reason I say that is because there are some who will say, well, until he answers all my questions, I'm not coming to him. You ever had someone say that? Well, I've got some questions I'd like to ask God. Oh, really? Job tried that once. It's a great exercise to try. 64 questions, right? That Job asked. And at the end, when Job asked all those questions, he came to realize, you know what, I just need to put my hand over my mouth. Because he's God, and I'm not. You see, when you discover that God is infinite, listen, there's no limitations to him, and you and I try to figure him out, we have to swim around for a while, and then we need to say, okay, it's time that I recognize who I am and who he is. And he's incomprehensible. And it's his infinity that helps us to realize that. But there is something there. There's a depth of riches and wisdom and knowledge. And as we saw last week, listen, the wealth of God that he has for you and for me in redemption is worth swimming in. When you stop and think, we were wretched sinners. We had no hope. No one could save us from our sins. God's requirement is perfection. And if you're perfect today, raise your hand and I'll gladly keep mine down. Because there's none, there's none righteous, no, not one. But here's the amazing thing. God lavished upon us the riches of his grace, the riches of his mercy, though we didn't deserve it. And Christ died for us in his place and opened up the storehouse of every blessing that God wants to pour into your life. Woo! And we're only going to experience, listen, maybe 50, 60, 70 years you get here on this world, on this earth. But an infinity of time that awaits us when we get to eternity. And we get to enjoy all of redemption there. Forever and ever. With no sadness, no sorrow, no sickness, no death. Wow. You and I can't fathom what that's going to be like. It's just incomprehensible. And the moment you think we've got it figured out, we still got 10,000 more days to sing about it. And then another 10,000. And it just goes on and on and on. We can't comprehend it. And you stop it. And those are just the riches. And Paul says, oh, the depths of those riches of not only his wisdom and his knowledge, how God brought it all to pass. 
Not just as it's reflected here in Romans 1 through 8 about the salvation of an individual, but chapters 9 through 11, the, the salvation of both Jew and Gentile and how God's plan, listen, before he even made man. He made man in his image so he could fill it and redeem it. How did God think that up? I mean, I never would have thought that up. I mean, it's amazing. And you stop and think the plan that he had, listen, to make man in an image that he would redeem, and that from the beginning, he knew the plan in the Garden of Eden that a man and a woman would fall and that he would, listen, have to redeem that man and that woman. And a promise that even he would make then, well, to the serpent when he cursed him. Hey, listen, I'm going to put enmity, strife between your seed and her seed. And listen, yeah, you're going to bite him on the heel, but he's going to crush your head. The gospel right there to the first man and the first woman. Hearing the gospel, which was actually preached to the serpent, because the gospel is first and foremost about a holy God. And we just get to be the beneficiaries of it. It's about him, his standing, who he is. I mean, it's just fascinating. Who would have thought that? And then you see the plan of God as it, it goes through the pages of Scripture and how he brings that seed all the way down to the Messiah, Jesus, and how he's born. And who would have thought his ways being a baby born in a manger? No one was even looking for it. God had to announce that to some shepherds in the field because the scribes, the ones who had the word, weren't even looking for that. Though it was right there before them. Amazing. And then you stop and think about how that redemption not only came to us in Christ, how he accomplished redemption, that an infinite God would die on a cross for finite man and pay the sins for, for all the world in one moment and thereby give redemption available to any and all that would last for a for eternity. Wow. I'm glad that math works out really well for him. And for us. Amen. Who would have thought this? You see, infinity, the infinity of God, particularly seen in his redemption, is a great testimony of just how incomprehensible he is. His ways, his thoughts, they're so much higher. We never would have thought of it. No one ever has. And when you realize that, you realize that's the witness to his incomprehensibility. That his recognition of it. The wisdom to bring that to you. I mean, you didn't stop and think about this. Stop and think about the plan of God. Working through the free will choices of men. Listen, that he could still be sovereign over everything and bring his will to pass. Don't tell me you got it all figured out, sovereignty and free will. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. No, our, my God is so sovereign, he can give man free will and still accomplish all of his plans and purposes. What an amazing God. It's a mystery. You won't figure it all out. And that's the amazing thing. Paul gets through all of this presentation. He's like, I got more I can tell you, but, 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 but I don't know how to explain it all. It's so deep. Oh, it's amazing. Have you lost that vision of who God is? I mean, do you still have that? Or you just say, wow, redemption is awesome. How God could, that's, that's like John Newton would be singing, amazing grace. It's so amazing. That's reached a wretched like sinner like me. You and I should have that posture each and every day, recognizing, bearing witness, bearing testimony about how God brought that redemption to us. You know why? You know, I fall short of the glory of God every day. I do, so do you. We all are, according to Romans chapter 3. We're all stumbling and falling short. Not only we have sinned in the past, perfect tense in the past, we can all mark the day, it's written down. We've stumbled and fall short. But we continually fall short. Each and every day. We don't live up to perfection. None of us hits the target right in the center each and every day on everything. Every word, every action, every thought. No, we don't. 
That's why I'm desperate. You're desperate. We're desperately in need of his mercies that are new every morning. And that should cause us to get in there and swim a little bit in the knowledge of who God is. That he would share that mercy with us and show us that grace. What an amazing God. Well, this is just the witness of it, that his infinity highlights it. But then Paul says, I got a couple questions to ask, just like the children, you know. I got a couple questions. You know, if, if, if he's so infinite, if he's so incomprehensible, then, then let me ask you these questions. And, and they're rhetorical questions, so there's no need for us to answer because the answer is pretty obvious, right? He's quoting now. He's quoting from the Old Testament, Jeremiah, Isaiah. He's quoting even Job. And he says, who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who actually, who's become his counselor? Or, or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? I mean, the answer is quite obvious. No one. I, I mean, can anyone teach God anything? Did anyone give God any insight, any wisdom, any knowledge? Hey, God, if you're going to save mankind, I'd do it this way. Do you really think someone did that? Do you really think someone, like the angels, uh, God, we got a plan over here. We're gonna, can we share it with you? No, of course not. No one has done that. No one counsels God. God is the one that wants to counsel you and counsel me. God is the one that wants to radically change our life when we order our life to his truth. But he is the source of truth. We don't tell him the true things and what to do. He's sufficient in and of himself. He, he, he doesn't, can I just tell you, he doesn't sit up there wringing his hands going, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to save him. He, he doesn't do that, y'all. He isn't desperately going, I wish someone would say a prayer and like offer me some counsel here. Uh, I need some input on how to make all these things good. No, he doesn't need that. He doesn't need to know how to redeem fallen creation. He, he's had that plan before he even made it. What an amazing God. And no one, listen, not only is no one giving him counsel, no one is like giving him credit for anything, like money or anything that he needs to no one gives him a loan or a gift, something that he then has to pay them back. In other words, when he accomplished redemption, there's nothing that we offer to him that he really needed to accomplish redemption. He didn't owe it to us. He's, he was totally self-sufficient. He didn't even need us. I mean, this is we've lost this infinite chasm between who God is and who we are. And we've forgotten he's huge. He's infinite. And that what we do know about him, praise God, he reveals something. And what we do know is this. He didn't need anything from you, from me. He, he's not in need of someone to give him something. And when you realize that, I mean, who really has first given to him? Isn't it all his anyways? I mean, we already established that just a couple weeks ago with his aseity, that he is wholly other. He's the source of all being. So if anything is a being, a created being, or stuff, it's already his. <laughs> he made it. He brought it all into existence, like we're going to give it back to him. Oh, by the way, you owe me for that one. No. No, not with this God that we worship today and we serve. And Paul's asking these questions. He goes, just stop and let your mind swim in this for a moment. And think about this. And order that why you and I might get our proper posture before him. That we might realize he's wholly other, listen, and we are finite, dependent beings on him. Some people, listen, they will try to live their life as though God doesn't exist. Uh, they, they love to say, well, you just can't know him. Well, that's the posture of an agnostic, right? God cannot be known. Yes, he can. The problem oftentimes is you don't want to know him. 
Because if you want to know him, then what you realize is this. I have to surrender to him because he's king and I'm not. And that's called rebellion. And all of creation is in that state. And until we repent and place our faith and trust in Christ, we will not order our lives in the right way. But the proper posture before him is to bend your knee and say, you're God and I'm not. I stand in awe of you. Paul's trying, he's at that point, and he's saying, this is where I am when I've stopped and just reflected on the beauty of salvation and what God has accomplished and the work that he's brought. Oh, his ways and his judgments are unsearchable, and they are inscrutable. No one would have thought of this. Salvation, it's a mystery in so many ways. I mean, you just stop and think about, Paul would say, over in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, when he says, listen, listen, the mystery of God, Jesus the mystery of, of godliness. God in the flesh. Figure that one out for me, by the way. Fully God, fully man, one person. The hypostatic union. Man, theologians have wrestled with what that looks like all throughout the period of, uh, of, of the ages. They've been wrestling with how he could do that. How he could bring redemption to, to you and to me. How, how, the mystery of the new birth. I mean, that's what Jesus told John. Uh, 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 in John's gospel, he told Nicodemus, right, John chapter 3. He said, what? You got to be born again. How do you, how do you go back in your mama's How? It's a mystery. You don't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind the same way with redemption. What we do know is this. There are some things that are mysterious about God that are incomprehensible. We don't know. But what he does tell us, listen, oh, it's true. And it's worth trusting in. And it's worth believing in. And it's worth surrendering your heart and your mind and your life to. You see, we should be deeply humbled in this process as we, we swim in, in this knowledge of who God is. And as we get out a little bit deeper, we need to realize, praise the Lord, he throws us a life rope. Amen? <laughs> wow. The appropriate response is wonder and worship. When, when you wonder, listen, not wander from God. Wonder about him realize he's god and we're not and take that posture before him be humble be broken be surrendered and realize we are blessed because someone shared with us the truth about the living god praise the lord today praise god that he has brought us to that point has he brought you to that point where you realize listen i, I got a i got a question for god well a lot of people do and sometimes you need to deal with his question for you and for me, which is this. Will you acknowledge that I'm God and you're not? And will you surrender to my rule in your life? Because I'm the creator, and I'm the redeemer, and I'm the sustainer. And I'm the one that can save you. But everyone has to come to that point. Wonder about the truth that he does share us with us. Because can I tell you, he didn't have to. He didn't owe that to anyone. But he did. He made himself known. He made himself known not just through the works, listen, of creation and his redemption and everything you read about in the Old Testament. But then he put on flesh and he came and dwelt among us. And, and the word became flesh so that we could see who God is and what he is like. And we have this testimony of him and these epistles that explain the significance of, of his redemption. And what it should look like for you and for me who are anticipating one day the completion of that redemption. About it. Stand in awe. That's why I love Psalm 27. It talks about when you come to worship, you come with two things. You come to stand in awe of his beauty. Wow. What an amazing God. And then to inquire. 
Why? That's us a question. Because that God speaks to us and he wants to teach us some things about who he is and who we are and how desperately we need him. So, so listen, this isn't just an exercise for Sunday morning. It's an exercise for every day of my life to stand in awe of who he is and the day and the breath that he's given me today to enjoy him and to celebrate him. We, we heard the witness, the infinity of God shows us he's incomprehensible. We, we stand in wonder uh, over that incomprehensibleness, and we realize we can't really ask any questions of him, and we can't offer him any wisdom, we can't offer him any knowledge, we can't offer him any, any credit or any resource, because it's all his anyways. And so the proper posture then is just to worship. To worship the God of incomprehensibility. And that's what he does in verse 36. Watch this. For of him, from him, and through him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. This is a little doxology. This is what happens when you stop and you consider that there is a redemption of infinite value that has reached you. The proper posture is reverence, it's, it's humility, it's worship and surrender. It's a recognition that, that God is worthy of our praise and we should praise him. In fact, it's fascinating. Watch the, the prepositions here. Of him, from, or of him, through him, and to him. For of him, some, some versions may have the preposition from him. In other words, listen, the beginning of all things originates in God. From him are all things. This makes sense. We learned that three weeks ago, right? His aseity. He's self-existent. We're not. He always has been. We became. The question is, what am I becoming? When I realize my origins start with him. By the way, not just the day you were born. The day we were born again came from him. (laughs) The day he brought redemption, all of that into our life. It all came from him. God was at work in a way. He's the ultimate origin of all things. The ultimate cause. And ultimately, listen, unless his spirit had worked on my heart and your heart, we wouldn't have been drawn to him. The Spirit convicts us of sin so that we repent. The Spirit convinces us of truth so that we put our faith and trust in Christ. And we are turned to Him. We are wooed to Him by His Spirit. Come unto me. Come unto me. And the Spirit's calling. He's calling right now. People in this room. People watching online. Listening on the radio. The Spirit's wooing saying, come, come, come. While there's time. Turn. Not from me. Turn to me. Because you see, He's the beginning of all things. From Him. Hey, by the way, through him, right, that highlights the present. That God right now sustains all things. Not only is he the ultimate cause of all things, but things are still here because he says so. I mean, by the way, he's the thing, he's what holds it all together. That's in Colossians, right? He's the one who's holding it all together right now. By the way, he's the only one that can hold our life together too for us. And we realize that from him and through him are all things. And what's the amazing thing there? I believe it's just a celebration. Oh, sorry, don't get scared by this word. The sovereignty of God. Y'all, he's in control of all things. And if he wasn't, man, we'd be in a mess. Praise God he is. It's better just to surrender your life to him and realize that and recognize, acknowledge that he's sovereign. And what the amazing thing is, is all the decisions that are made, he's sovereign over all those things. He's in control. In fact, he says it this way in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. And all those things are going to work, listen, when you're one of his, according to Romans 8, 28, for your good. And for his glory. And he's working all those things. Why? Not just from him. Not just through him, but to him. There's an end, a goal, a reason why you and I are even here and why we're still here breathing this morning. Why there's stuff around us, why it still exists. Why? To bring glory and honor to him. 
That's the culmination. That's what he's really after. That's what, that's what it's all about. Listen, the beginning are tied to God. The circumstances are all tied to God. The future prospects are all tied to God. Everything has our hope in God. Even though he's incomprehensible, what I can understand is this. He's an amazing God that brings redemption to mankind. And anyone and everyone who repents and places their faith and trust in him, listen, you put your life in his hands. And the assurance that we have is that the creator who gave us life and eternal life sustains us through life and one day will redeem us and we'll become the heir of all things. We are the heir of all things right now, but we haven't experienced the fullness of that. But oh, there's coming a day when we will. And we live like that each and every day. And Paul just says, to God be the glory. By the way, forever. Amen. It's true. Believe that. I mean, do you realize, listen, you and I, just like this created world, this created world screams the glory of God. Even, listen, even when people today don't, don't worship the creator, they worship all the created stuff, it's still screaming there's a glorious, mighty God who made everything. Of, of infinite power and purpose and, and, and design, and you see it. But you, as part of that creation, me as part of that creation, we were made, listen, to glorify him as it screams of his glory. That was his purpose in redeeming us as well. Listen, that he would, would redeem you and redeem me so that we would radiate and reflect his glory, not only while we're here, but, but even when we get there on the other side. You and I exist, we've been redeemed for that purpose, to show and demonstrate the glory of God. That's why everything has happened. It's all for Him. It's the ultimate goal. All things, listen, all things are for Him and from Him and, and through Him and to Him. Why? Because He's the one that the glory goes to. God gets all the glory. He's worthy of worship. You see, there's no God like our God. You can't put boundaries on him. He's infinite. He's beyond our knowledge. He's incomprehensible. But what we do know is this. We can know some things about him. He, he's accommodated himself to us. Even though he's incomprehensible, listen, we don't stand in despair. Oh, no. He has revealed some things. Listen, the knowledge that he has given us, listen, this is an amazing thing. It's a, it's a personal knowledge. It's, it's for a relationship. He's not some force. He's a person. And the knowledge is he wants to have fellowship with us. He's knocking at the door of our hearts, wanting to come in, right? That's what it says in, Re in Revelation chapter 3. He, he's knocking at the door. Why? Because he wants to fellowship with us. You know when you fellowship, when you go have a meal with someone and you sit around and talk, usually you, you learn a little bit about the other person, don't you? They learn a little bit about you, right? That, that's what God wants in this relationship that we have with him. For us to grow. Are we going to understand him completely, exhaustively? No. But we're going to know enough about him. Oh man, he is good. He is true. I can put my faith in him. He's absolutely true. And what he tells me, he's faithful. And so I can live a life that's fruitful, that's abundant. I, I can live a life that's, that's the full measure of what he intended when my life has been redeemed. But I have to know him personally. And if you don't know him personally, then, then that can change today. They may think, but I, there's some mysteries, there's some questions that I have, Pastor Chris. Well, listen, when that happens, I always recommend 29-29. Deuteronomy 29-29. 
You see, when Moses was writing to the generation that was born in the wilderness for those 40 years, and they're about to go into the promised land, listen, they didn't see all the miracles in, in Egypt. They didn't see the plagues. They didn't see God lead his people through the Red Sea. Only Joshua and Caleb did. A whole generation was born there because they had lacked faith to go into the promised land 40 years before that. Moses writes something that's really important for us about the incomprehensibility of God. He says there in Deuteronomy 29, 29, listen, the secret things of God, the mysteries, they belong to God. Leave them there. Things you and I can't figure out, though we really want to know, there's some things that are just going to always be beyond us. Leave it there. It's in good hands, by the way. But then he says, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children. In other words, when something is crystal clear true, there's no mystery there. That's for us and for our children. What's crystal clear and true? There's one God and only one God. You know what else is true about that? He is a loving God. He's a holy God who has acted in love towards us to redeem us. He's gracious. He's merciful. These things are true. They're written in the word. They're a testimony of him as he revealed himself to us. He's true, which means I can take him at his word. He's faithful, which means I can take his promises and, and, and believe in them and know he will accomplish everything that he promises he's going to do. He has all the power to do it. He's El Shaddai. And he's demonstrated that time and time again. He has power over the created order. He, he, listen, he loves you. He's demonstrated that. How? Well, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. The things that are clear, the things that are true, they're for us. Why? Well, I know this. If I know it, I'll obey it. I'll do it. I'll do something with what I know. You know, to a Jew, listen, to know something and not do it would mean you didn't really know it. You don't know it. But if I know these things are true about him, I know this, I'm a sinner. And the soul that sinneth it shall surely die. But I know this, anyone who repents and puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Bible says God will justify us and treat us just as if we've never sinned. Praise the Lord. And not only that, he's going to sanctify me. He's going to cleanse my life. And one day, listen, I'm going to shed this, uh, this, this flesh, and I'm going to get a new body one day that will never rust. <laughs> Amen? It'll never, be, it'll never be corrupted. It will never break down. Man, I'm looking forward to that day. Whew. These are true. It's for us and for our children. In other words, listen, I can share them. By the way, we didn't even got to that attribute of God. He's immutable. He never changes it because he's eternal. We haven't got to that one either. But that means I can share in every generation it's the same truth. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to, you know, get God caught up with contemporary times. No, we don't have to do that. Contemporary times needs to get right with God. <laughs> That's the truth. But you know what? So do you and I. We need to get right with him. And maybe that's the case today. You know what? You, need, you don't have to wrestle with some things you haven't figured out yet about God. You can rest in what you do know is true. And you can put your faith and trust in him. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Like Wyatt did. Like Donna did. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you need to take a step of faith and say, okay, I believe it's true. Jesus is the Messiah. And I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I need him.